Hello and welcome to another episode of The Kosh Cast on underthekoshblog.com and at under underscore the kosh on Twitter. My name is Alex Mohanad is here. Hello, hello. And I don't know why I said it with that intonation because there's no one else. It's just, it's just you and <laughs> Sounded I. like there was more. Yeah, building castles in the sky. How are you doing, man? I am fantastic. I'm good. Can't complain. Excellent. Summer. Excellent. Uh, the, the scores are going my way. Everything is fantastic. <laughs> FPL, I'm killing it. Gonna say, top of the league. Top of the league. I mean, our league is not small. There's like 100 people in there. I'm, I'm taking it. It's a significant achievement. Yeah. The question is, can you keep it up? That's the hard part. But, but the longer you're close to the top, the more you care and are motivated to actually oh, update your team. 100%. Yeah. I'm 10, um, I'm 10 points at the top because today I got 91, like this weekend I got 91 points, which is actually the highest in the entire group. Jesus. Yeah. Um, I'll take it. I, I got 49, which is a bit <laughs> bewildering because I'm not sure there's even that much difference between our teams. It's just like the matter of like a couple players. It was one big difference. It was KDB captain. Mm. One big difference. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I also got horrendously let down by uh, Salah and Trent today. Correct. Thank you to those two. Also, I did have two Brentford players, which we'll get to. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I, we we were talking on the thread earlier about like whether we take out Liverpool players because they're not playing that well, and then we saw that they have United next week, and it's like, nope, yeah. leave them in. Exactly. Um, one question I wanted to ask you though before we kind of get into it is. Have you been signed by Nottingham Forest yet? <laughs> yeah, they've reached out, but I'm just waiting to see if they're going to sign OR or not because we play in the same position. <laughs> I've signed a two-year deal. I'm just letting you know. Uh, I'll try nice. not to let it let it affect the podcast schedule, but you know it might. So. It might. I mean, yeah. it won't though because we podcast at like t- 9 p.m. Uh, Toronto time or so, which is going to be like 3 a.m. London time. So you're okay. You just have to kind of figure out your sleep. Yeah, yeah, get get up in time for training. Yeah, and there's a lot of other players that can play. So, you know, you don't have to be tip-top shape every Saturday. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that is absolutely true. There was already a squad of 20-something. Yeah. And now there's 14 more people. You know what? We we joked around and stuff, but they got a very, very impressive three points against West Ham. I mean, I mean, West Ham were extremely unlucky. Sure. Sure, but but these are the points that the, the newly promoted teams need to get. These like plucky one nils where West Ham was all over them, missed a penalty. Like you need those games to go your way during the season. Yeah, it was a good save actually from um, uh, Henderson in goal. It was a good save uh, from the right because like Rice's penalty wasn't bad. It was low. It was in the corner. Like it was yeah, I mean, fine. I I don't know if uh, with everything going on, I don't know if Henderson needs any more motivation to shine, mate. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> his issue is that United a keep giving De Gea new contracts. Well, yeah, I mean he, that they can't move him, so it doesn't matter how well Henderson plays; he's not going to get the job because they can't move De Gea out of the goal. Exactly, you're trying to move someone who makes four hundred thousand pounds a week. <laughs> like it's not going to happen, no matter what, because the minute that guy's benched, someone loses their job. So yeah. he's going to play no matter what. No, like based on the first half of his career, De Gea should have been a goalkeeper that played at the extre- at the top, top, top level his whole career. But United right. paid him enough that he's settled for this shit. So it's tough though, because like, it's one of those like, can you predict, you know, like, like I was thinking about Henderson the other day, I was thinking like, okay, can he see this happen and just stick it out? Could, like, or does he think no matter how bad De Gea's 
plays I'm not going to play. Like, it just feels like you could have seen this coming a little bit, you know? The De Gea form? Yeah. Yes, but again, like I would, if I was Henderson, I would have no faith that I would be Mm. put into the team. None. Also, like, it's just more fun playing for literally anyone else. I mean, again, in those kind of teams, you also face a lot of shots. You get to show off how good you are. You could just play there for one year, get relegated, and then get picked up by a much better team. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very true. Um, Let's start, though, with uh, what happened today. Uh, Liverpool won, Crystal Palace won. Um, Started off with a few uh, misses from uh, Diaz. uh, Not Diaz. um, Nunez. Nunez, uh, and then uh, he finally connected later on, but not with the goal. <laughs> yeah, his misses were actually quite interesting because he he's in the right places, he's in the right spots, he's doing the right things, and he gives Liverpool that option to go long and not down and kind of start an attack in a much shorter time, right? Like, just get it up there and do it. And I don't know, just because he gives them that option, I don't know if they should take it. That's a different story, but he does give them that option. Um, now, the misses... Would I, I would be worried because the first thing I look at is like, does this new eighty million pound player have technique, mm. right? Like, and it's not enough to get like a million chances and score one because so far there hasn't been any technique. I mean, let's go, and, and this might be a bit harsh, but let's look at the goal against City. He headed it in, mm, slightly kind of coming off at a very fortuitous angle, which had a little bit of like a miss header. Yeah. And his back heel against Fulham wasn't his goal. It kind of rebounded so fortuitously off the defender back again at his back heel, blah, blah, blah. Then now this game, there were three clear-cut chances where he just needed to connect. One of them skied over the bar from six yards. The other left foot one that he wanted, the penalty was so badly hit. And there was a third one. So... It's great that you're in the right positions, but at 80 million, I, I hope you could finish a little bit better. Yeah, you'd think. I mean, he is because of the price tag. You forget he's 22, and I know you you always say like, don't worry about the age. It is young. It's a massive move. It's a massive price tag. You mm-hmm. wouldn't be surprised if some of the pressure was was making it a bit more difficult. But at the same time, as you said, you're looking for clues as to if if today is unlucky, are there signs that over the course of the season, it will even out. And for now, I'm not sure we're seeing them. Yeah, and I don't... And I don't know if the players around them want to play this way, right? Like, I don't know if Salah and Diaz want to play this kind of boot it and then be kind of ISO. Like, it's kind of ISO ball, right? It's like, okay, let's play it up there and let three of you do something. It could be a little bit helpful because that means they also get to bypass their midfield, which is not looking very good this no. season or these couple of games or, you know, with injuries and with Henderson, just age catching up and Thiago injured and Fabinho not having a great start to the season, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just remember the feeling I got watching this game, which is like Liverpool are just relying on the energy and the running around and doing their thing, but it didn't seem like there was a major plan in place other than like a quite high reliance on Nunez, but he's not delivering. Mm-hmm. And there didn't seem to be, like you would have thought that having Nunez in the box would allow just Trent and Robertson to like spam the crosses in and create a lot of headed opportunities. And that didn't seem to be happening. Actually, I think Robertson's been a little poor by his standards uh, so far this season. And Simicast, I mean, obviously it's easier to come on in 70-whatever minutes and look good, but he did look good. He created a couple of opportunities. I wouldn't be surprised if he starts a few games in the next few weeks. I think he probably deserves a chance. Um, yeah, they just don't look fluid. See, there's one thing not... They've never had a creative midfield. 
Thiago is like the most creative central midfielder they've had in the last few years, and he's injured, and he's always injured. Um, it's one thing doing that if your wing backs are on great form and mm-hmm. create a lot of chances, and it's another thing doing that if you have Firmino or Jota or Mane in the team who are more creative players than Diaz and, and Nunez. When you're not getting creativity from your central midfield, if you're not getting much from your wing backs, if you're not getting much from two out of your three attackers, and Salah doesn't really want to be doing a ton of you know playmaking. You know, you have to wonder where it's coming from. I, I'm conscious of catastrophizing a bit much. It's a slow start for Liverpool. They could smash United four or five nil next week, and then we're all singing a different song. But there are signs that it's going to be a more difficult season for sure. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's also short. It's early, but it is already four points off City. I mean, four points off City is a big ask at any point in the season, even now, especially that these drop points are against Fulham and Crystal Palace. It, you know, we haven't even gotten into the serious side of things. And I mean, yeah, maybe their next game is a bit easier against United, which is which is funny. But, like, this is not the time. I mean, last season, I think what got him was too many draws, right? Too many draws, too many not killing off games. And this has already begun with two draws. So it's not kind of how they wanted to start. But, again, we said this in our preview to the, to the league. And, you know, again, it might be crazy to, to have said that at the time. But it makes sense now in the sense of Liverpool look overall weaker than they did last season. Mm-hmm. They didn't win the league last season. They, you know, fine, they got to the Champions League final. But, again, like you said, I think you mentioned it today, Alex, when we were talking. If the first 11 are all fit and firing, fine. But we know the Premier League doesn't work like that. You've got... Four competitions. Last season, Liverpool played every single game available to them. If they have to do that again this year with a World Cup right in the middle, I'm very surprised they're not signing any more players. Because I, I don't count Firmino as a, as a realistic option the entire season. So that leaves you with Jota as your only substitute in that front three. I mean, you want to rely on Carvalho? Be my guest. But yeah, like, I mean, doesn't he mean he's the best player when he comes on. Sure, but the effectiveness and the stats are a different yeah. thing than like this guy has potential, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It also baffles me that uh, we're here on year what of the Klopp project? Six, seven? Yeah. And there's still no substitute right back. <laughs> like, like it's Gomez, who's also a substitute center back. And, and this is the thing is like it, when you're reliant on that position for so much, if that guy isn't having his day, like there's not really anything else. Yeah, well, they Milner? used to they used know. to play Milner when he was like younger, and he yeah. he would do fine at right back, but he can't do it anymore, right? Yeah. And Milner is another one you talked about spamming crosses. That's all he did today. <laughs> he can He just he doesn't have the physicality to take a man on on the outside or do anything in the center. Yeah, so he, he just literally up. that's it. He looks up, he pushes it to the side, and he puts it into the box, right? Yeah. Um, but it'll be yeah. interesting to see how Liverpool again. You're right. The United game at Old Trafford, I believe, could be kind of like a season starter for them. Um, but again, it's hard to see how City drop more points from here to the end of the season, like four more points than Liverpool, at least. Without, and that's assuming Liverpool kind of pick up and everything is perfect from here on, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean. Um, we do have a question uh, about Nunez from Adonyaya, who says, uh, when Romero and Nunez inevitably face each other, he's <laughs> getting sent off first. It's a very good point. I mean, if it's the same, I think it was Mike Dean on VAR again, then Romero is going to be fine. <laughs> apparently Romero's um, going to be absolutely fine um, what I would say to this is so far it's 1-0 Nunez like as much as Romero has the reputation he's still never been sent off 
But that's he what's baffling. In like the Europa League or the Conference League or something when Conte first took over. But since then, nothing. He he's, barely gets yellow cards. He's definitely done enough, though, to have gotten some reds. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think first game of the season, I think, against Southampton, there was a clip doing the rounds. Like, it's already two games, two clips doing the rounds. And, you know, we know how this thing works. I think there are, perception does build, too. And maybe if last season was kind of his first and whatever, blah, blah, blah. I think referees also, you know, they, they follow the game online. They look at what happened. They look at their performance, all that good stuff. So if he starts to build a reputation, I think it'll be easier to get red cards moving forward, assuming that's his goal, of course. Yeah, that, yeah. assuming that's his goal. <laughs> that may well be the case. Um, Sorry, before we move on, Zaha? Yeah. Very good goal. Very good goal. But... However, Van dicking around, Van dicking around, <laughs> some, some very casual Van dicking around from from the best centre back in the world. But also, just on Zaha, like after that goal, I saw a bunch of tweets uh, from you know like verified accounts with thousands of followers being like, "This is why Zaha needs to play Champions League football." And frankly, for the rest of the game, he just ruined everything. Like it was a brilliant goal; it got Palace a point, but. A better player would have scored another two, set up another one. Like there was just so many opportunities for him to be productive for the rest of the game, and he screwed them all up. So let me say this: I think there's a tinge of like bias with you against Zaha. There is a little bit. There's like, yeah, I mean, like, yes, and that and that means he does a lot more wrong in your eyes than maybe <laughs> he actually does. But look, this is what I thought. He's a tireless lone striker that was running around the entire game. Yep. I thought the opposite. I thought the other guys around him had a multiple chances to also just kind of push him through, or like, like kind of release the ball through when he's making all these runs. And sometimes they held it back. They were too scared to do it. I just give him the benefit of the doubt today. I think he played this role that is not really his role. I think he played it perfectly. I think he, sure, he could always do better. But again, it is against Liverpool at Anfield. He's sometimes literally all alone. Eze was helping, but quite deep. As he was starting really deep, yeah. by the time he's up there, he's exhausted, right? I he's he tired. He did have a good game. Um, I'm just, I think that Vieira, like we talked about him as a manager and what he's done with Palace and what he's continuing to do. And I think he picked the, a really, really good game plan. Like he dropped all his strikers and he said, okay, we're clearly going to counterattack. Let me put on all the fast guys. You know, I know Ayo's not, but you know what I mean. Like guys that can play on the wing, guys that can play up top, whatever. And then Olisi's injured. I bet you anything Olisi would have played instead of Ayo if he was fit. Just the game plan, asked for it. And that's very promising from a management perspective. I think, again, looking at the game, making the right decisions, playing to his team's strength. And I think other than a Diaz kind of out of the blue, Palace... I think deserve to get away with a win. I, I mean, I know Liverpool had like 80% of the ball, but we didn't really do much with it. I know Nuni has had chances that he should have converted, but I thought they did well enough to, to deserve to a draw or a win. I, I don't think I would have even taken away a win from them. Fair enough. Uh, to that point, though, do you think Vieira... Bottle is too strong a word. It's Liverpool away. Hmm. But Liverpool were 10 men for a significant period of the game and Palace did not go for it at all. They sat in their low block. It was as if nothing had changed for them, which I thought was a little bit surprising. It's tough, right? You twist or stick, right? Mm -hmm. It's very it's very hard. And you do one and the other kind of happens. I think it's Liverpool. So even at 10 men with the crowd behind them and kind of pushing through and stuff, I still think a draw is okay. I know what you're saying. It's a great chance for three points, 
what a draw I think they'll take, especially the fact like I don't think Liverpool created much after the red card. Like I think no. like Crystal Palace sat back, absorbed them, everything was looking fine. When you concede to a to a worldie, you concede to a worldie. What are you gonna do? So I think the game plan was almost gonna work. I mean, after the Diaz goal, nothing happened either. Almost nothing happened. So uh, I think they could have ridden this one out, especially against ten men. I know what you're saying. Kind of, he did put Alisi on at the end, which is an attacking ish move, but that's more energy than anything. So I, I'm just impressed with him overall with Vera. I really am. Yep, agreed. Uh, one of a few. One of a few managers in the kind of like lower to mid table that could have a future at a higher level, but uh, especially we, with the Arsenal connection, mm, especially mm-hmm. with that, yeah, yeah, like he's just an obvious choice at some mm-hmm. point, right? When mm-hmm. Arteta goes off to manage Barcelona or Man City, like yeah, he's got that DNA, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, if you had to fight Thomas Tuchel or Antonio Conte, who would you choose? Conte for sure. Really. Conte will fight you in the moment and forget about it. <laughs> Tuchel yeah. will hunt you down for years. <laughs> That's a reasonable <laughs> he, point, actually. I could just see it in his... He, well, so first, the first thing happened, fine, right? And, you know, he has the right to get upset. Conte kind of lost mm-hmm. it and, and, got, and infringed. So then the goal went in. He didn't forget it and he celebrated. He ran across him all the way to the corner flag. He ran the, so far. He did. He did. <laughs> at, at the end of the game, he did that thing again. I'm telling you, he's seething. He's thinking about it. He's just stewing in there. I think Conte mm-hmm. kind of just moves on. So I'll take like the, the instant beating and, and that's it. Tuchel yeah. would just keep going. He would just never forget it. You know what? I think you're right. I think you've won me over. Yeah. Um, you'd, you'd never be able to... Uh, to you know feel safe ever again i I think you know how sometimes they ask players or managers like what would you be or what would you be doing if you weren't in football and often they say oh like pe teacher or something to do with sports or they say the profession that their parents did or whatever but too cool it would just be like serial killer (laughs) yeah he just has the eyes he just has the angry eyes the teeth that clinch and he's just ready to go he's ready i love i love the press conference both of them said like this stuff happens whatever whatever but i like to hold going down like literally play by play of the referee's mistakes here's number one here's number two here's number three and you guys do whatever you want with that information i like how the fa are investigating it like we've all seen it already you're you're gonna find him. The thing He's is, on with it. wasn't wasn't Mike Dean supposed to retire? He did wasn't retire he... from refereeing, isn't he? Just a VAR guy now. So he he still has to haunt us through VAR. The thing is, VAR is a lot of power, and I bet he loves he loves oh, that feeling of power. Of course. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, I, just, I just don't know what goes through his mind when he sees that, and he goes, "Yep, that's not a, like when he the pull the hair pull," and mm-hmm. go, "Yep, that's not an, an obvious error. I'm just gonna let that go." Bant. But, yeah. I mean, what, what else? I, I don't know either. So we, we have a question on this as well um, from Couch Critic, um, who says, what do, bold, what do bold refs have against Chelsea? Rebo, <laughs> Taylor, Dean, all one thing in common. They're bold and incompetent. Um, I, my, my initial reaction to this is like, a lot of the refs are bold. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like, I feel that that is a disproportionate number. Um and everyone thinks that refs don't like their club. Um, yeah. So I'm not sure. On the other hand, maybe get a more likable manager and you might get more decisions. So I wanted to see who was the Chelsea manager when that 
whatever that other the infamous um you know the infamous, thing? yeah who was the manager then who would it be uh tough eh? would it have been hiddink or avram grant or... i'm just trying to basically find out if they had great hair like conte that referee had, if I no, not the referee, like, the manager. Oh, 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 oh. Like the manager of Chelsea at the time had lush hair that the referees are jealous of. That's what I'm trying to remember. Because if it was like, Maybe. what's that guy that came in as interim? He didn't have gray hair. No, but Tuchel doesn't either. So that's a good point. Yeah, no, I, just, I just like try getting a likable manager. That might help. Maybe. Like, there's no way any of the rest like Tuchel. He's not not a people person. <laughs> no. No. Yeah. He rules um, by, uh, by fear, not by love. Exactly. What, what I will say for him, though, is that he did he did a bloody excellent job <laughs> yesterday, and this is this is really why he was so completely bonkers yeah. afterwards. Because he he prepared perfectly. Chelsea's game plan was excellent. They played really really well. Spurs barely had had a sniff, and yet it was two two. Um, and that can happen in the Premier League. That can absolutely happen in the Premier League. Um, yeah, when we were when we were watching this game, I mean, it was what seventy minutes of utter domination by Chelsea to the point where like Son was subbed off. Like that's how bad. Like that's how much shackled Sean was. Like Son, Son on the right with James and um, yeah. James who was on the outside, and and, and, and also yeah, Loftus Cheek was a great move as well. Loftus Cheek has a, had a fantastic game at, at right wing back, really dominant physically, but also like making the right decisions. So you're right, like Tuchel played a fantastic game. He they dominated Tottenham for seventy or so minutes. But you know, me and you, like while watching this game, we said one more goal. Like Chelsea need another goal. That one nil at the time was we. Well, I mean, you know, it's never enough. And then Tottenham, to be fair, came back and suspicious manner both times and yep. he, he was upset from that i'm sure he was upset because he thought i'm sure that he he did everything he could to kind of win this game comfortably yeah yeah like his plan worked the players executed it pretty much um and they still still came away with came away with the draw what i would say though is that <laughs> sterling missed a glorious opportunity Havertz missed an unbelievable chance with that Reese James ball in, which is one of the best crosses I've seen in a long time. Like, what a ball. And it's just, that's... I'm really one that says, like, oh, should have scored or whatever, but, like, that's just an unforgivable miss. He's six yards out, right in, right in the middle of the goal. I know it's coming at him 100 miles an hour, but, like, you can't miss that. Um, and Chelsea just do lack cutting edge up front, and they have for the last couple of years, and nothing seems to be changing there. Yeah, you know, well, they could have had Tammy up there. You know, mm-hmm. they. I think he's a great player, but yeah, at the end of the day, like they they let Lukaku go and never really replaced him like for like. I guess they're going to be relying on Havertz the entire season and maybe Broja, but unless like he, yeah, unless Broja can can break through. Yeah, but again, like that's great and cute and all, but like you're trying to win the league, that's not going to do it. No. Um, from the Spurs' perspective, a very mixed day in that. Obviously, the performance was crap. Mm. Like, no, no bones about it. It was a bad performance. They were dominated tactically and kind of physically. Um, Koulibaly especially was oh, yeah. extremely dominant. What a goal. We just brushed. Oh. We barely mentioned. I mean, what a hit. Folly, just yeah. absolute folly. It was and Cucurella played a great game for his first for his debut for Chelsea yep. as well. So a lot of little things happened. Yeah, sorry. Absolutely no good points. Um, but at the same time in what is a departure from the past, had this performance and got away with the draw. And I think what we really saw here was the the transfer window that they've had. 
last year in similar circumstances, who are they bringing on? Like Bergvine, Winks. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. That's basically it, right? Today, or sorry, yesterday, Basuma comes on, Perisic comes on, got one of the assists, delivered crosses with both left foot, right foot. Um, and Richarlison came on and made a big difference when they went to 4-4-2. Like that energy, the commitment, like he really did make a difference. And that's that's basically what it is. Like, have they improved the first 11? Don't know. Have they improved the squad? Yes, a great deal. Yeah, no, I agree. Then I think both windows, January and this window, I think together, January was a big one for them mm-hmm. um, with Bentacor and Kulosevsky. And now they're, they've added to it this summer too. Um, and they've always had the flair up top. Now they just need to kind of to add that solidity, right? That rigidity in midfield, Basuma coming on to kind of close out a game, very helpful, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, um, Sessegnon started the season well too. I mean, he played okay this game too. First game, he was kind of their best player. Um, so, you know, things things could click. And I think Conte will take a lot of uh, positives from this draw at Stamford Bridge with the way things went, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, since he took over, they what? They went away to City and won. Away to Liverpool, drew. Away to Chelsea, drew. You can't, you can't ask for much more than that in those big games. Um, I did miss this this question. Sorry, uh, at Chev, Chev, oh, sorry, at Toriaki, Chev Chelios on Twitter says, "What did Tuchel rub on Conte's palm?" Uh, <laughs> His middle uh, finger. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, I just hope he's not from the um, Joaquim Low school. Oh, yeah. it could have been anything well the thing is this weekend seemed to be kind of a lot of look me in the eyes moment <laughs> I don't, like like we had that with Gary Neville and Redknapp in the in the studio we had that with Tuchel and Conte and to be fair I don't know I, I'm siding with Tuchel on this one like yeah Conte almost didn't want to shake but he did it just because he had to kind of thing and Tuchel was not happy there is that. I mean, I would just add that Tuchel is like monstrously tall and Conte is quite short. It's a long way up. Yeah. Okay. Neck, Good you know? point. Yeah. Uh, Brentford four in the first half. <laughs> Manchester United now. Oh, so United uh, uh, draw second half. That's good. Yeah, they drew the second half. Um, tightened Probably. it up. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I was going to say avoided embarrassment, but. That's perhaps a bit much. Um, Adriano at Killypie1990 on Twitter. Who had the worst week, uh, Donald Trump or Eric Ten Hag? <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say Eric Ten Hag just for the fact that he doesn't know. Like, he he, he didn't know kind of thing. Yeah. He's, he's, he's finding out. As he goes along. At, but Trump is kind of like, he knows and hiding it. To, like, yeah, Ten Hag is, uh, oh man, Ten Hag is just like, the problem is he's doubling down on, on things too, where he has that liberty right now in that moment to go, I'm new, this is all shit. He's not. Mm-hmm. He's going, yeah, I love Harry Maguire, he's my captain. Oh yeah, I love the hair he's going to start. It's like, just change it up, man. Like, do your thing. But yeah, I don't know. Again, playing Ronaldo, like, what is that going to do? But it's, again, it's similar to the De Gea debate. Like, if he's there, how do you not play him? It just—it's a constant story in the media every week. Fifteen questions: What? Why isn't Ronaldo playing? How is he unhappy that he's not playing? Is there something between you and him? Like, 
you can't. It's not sustainable. Yeah, but the, but we talked about this a year ago. We said this kind of cloud, this Ronaldo cloud, would hover over the club no matter yeah. what, good or bad. It would just be this constant thing that people want to talk about all the time. And like we keep again, we keep saying the same thing. United need the rebuild the same way Liverpool did, the same way United uh, Arsenal are trying to do. Yep, they need did it when Pep took over. Sure, they need a full rebuild. Pep first season, people are calling him a fraud. He yep. was building towards what we see now. We need a season where they build. But they're short-term. They just fire and hire. They do crazy decisions like the Ronaldo signing. And they just ruin their continuity. They just ruin it. Every time it seems to be going on. Yeah, sure. Maybe Ole isn't the person to, to win the Champions League. But things were going on. You could upgrade him, but kind of keep going at least in the same direction. Like, don't upgrade him and get Ronaldo. Yep. It just doesn't make any sense. So it's just like, anyways, whatever. We've talked about like the general United problems for long enough. Maybe we can just bask in the actual result. Yeah, maybe. I, I just feel like I, when I mentioned City there and when Pep took over, it brought to mind the fact that Pep walked in and almost the first thing he did was tell Joe Hart to get Because <laughs> right? he was like, I've got the way I play football and you can't do it. You've got to go. He was expensive. He was on big wages. Club captain, I think, at the time, if not vice captain. I guess company was there, so I'm not mm-hmm. sure. But you know, it was it was an unpopular move. Everyone criticized him for it in in the English media, but he knew it was necessary. And even though he brought in Claudio Bravo, and that turned out to be an absolute clown show, it was the point. It was I need to play my football. This is going to be a success, and this guy can't do it. Ten Hag probably doesn't have the clout to do that, and that might be a problem. Because he does need that complete revolution if he wants to play the football he wants to play. Instead, he's got David De Gea passing it to Christian Eriksen, who is has a man all over him, hmm. 10 yards from goal. And there were like four or five occasions in this game where Eriksen just turned around and was like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, I like the part where they said, check my games for the national teams. Like, mate, you haven't played a game in five years. <laughs> so... Also, the national team is a much better football team. Have you seen the players that you have to play? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be fair, like they, like they just didn't want the ball anymore. Like he just didn't want it. Like listen, like I guess Martinez doesn't know this yet, maybe. So he just gave it to De Gea like three <laughs> yards next to him. I bet you anything, a Varane or a Lindelof would not make that short pass because they know what kind of a calamity it is. But at the same time, just kick it, kick it, go yep. to the right, do something. But like you can see the guy right behind them. You can see it. It's. Yeah really not the move especially in this form especially already i think one nil down etc just don't do it yep and and you know what it's one thing to have a defensive you know calamitous defensive performance when you're in this transition of style of play like pep had them pep i remember leicester beat city four nil four one or something like that early on in 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 pep's reign this can happen when you're trying to change the style of play and half the players don't know how to do it but for united to barely create a chance against brentford with sancho and ronaldo and rashford and ericsson and bruno like yeah pretty much you're allowed that result if you're teaching Kyle Walker to play center mid. That's pretty much what Pep was doing. Yeah. He's like, okay, Kyle Walker, who just ran up and down the, the 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 wing, is now one of the most important tactical pawns that I have in this team, and he kind of fills in at center mid. And okay, you can lose because like this is insane. But this, <laughs> what is happening? Like you just again, you're playing eyes ball. You're giving it out to Rashford or Sancho, and you're like, okay, good luck. Please, like, do something unbelievably awesome every time you get the ball. Yeah. 
it's just yeah, not going to work. It's not enough of a And then you have McTominay running around in center mid doing what? Like, he's the guy controlling your midfield, really? Kicking people. Yeah, it's... it's I, you know what? Brentford did their bit, too. They played well. They, they they knew what they had to do. They pressured. They kind of made United make mistakes. They were solid. They took their chances. They did everything that they should have done. And, and yeah, this is kind of how you play United. If you, you like... United are bad, and they've been bad for years. Yep. Even when they came second, they were bad. So it's just like, do not give them the respect they don't deserve, and right. you will get something out of the game. And that's kind of you know, like coming from an Arsenal fan, because you know Arsenal going to these games, United are like can't can't buy a goal to save their lives, and Arsenal are top top of the league, and we still lose to them because of the respect thing. We're like, oh, it's Manchester United. It doesn't matter. Manchester United, fine, it's, it's just a badge. Yeah. yeah, but they're not playing well. They're not a team. They're not a unit. Just go, pressure them, and you're going to get the ball because they can either you get the ball, they're just going to kick it long to you. It's true. It. I mean, if I, I could sum it up this way Christian Norgard, central midfield for Brentford, is a better central midfielder than anyone Manchester United have playing central midfield. Yeah. By which I mean, like Fred and McTominay. And yeah. I guess Beaky. He barely counts as a footballer at this point. I mean, it's just a joke. But yeah, Brentford were excellent. I thought Hickey had a good game. Um, the ball from Ivan Tony, left foot half volley to uh, Mbwemo, an excellent finish from him as well. Like, they just did, they did everything right. They really did. Yeah, and Tony's having a great season so far. And Brentford are looking, looking good, looking good to kind of hopefully. I mean, I looked at their games for, because I was looking at fantasy. Their next like three, four games, all small ish teams, all doable, I think. If I'm not mistaken, uh, Brentford fixtures. Because I was looking at, it, I was like, okay, you know, this this looks like they could go on a run. Yeah, they've got Fulham, then they play like Colchester in the EFL Cup, whatever. Then they play Everton, Crystal Palace, Leeds, Southampton. Like it's all, you know, they could find themselves comfortable in 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 five six games if they play well. And then yeah, they play Arsenal, but then again, Bournemouth, Newcastle, Brighton. Like it's you know, it's they've got a good start to the season. No, that's good. Frank's another one, like in that Vieira category, who mm-hmm. like another good season at Brentford. And I know last season was a bit saved by Ericsson to an extent. They were on a bit of a slide, but another good season from from Frank. And like, if Rogers leaves Leicester, is he in that kind of conversation? Maybe. But I, I think I think they were on the slide, but they recognized that and they got Ericsson in, yep. right? And they did this season. They started there early by getting his replacement in Norgard right away. Yeah. So, like, at least they learn from it and it seems to be paying off, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, Arsenal 4, Leicester, speaking of Leicester, Leicester 2. Uh, this was one where, like, the, the scoreline flatters Leicester a bit. Yeah. Like, Arsenal played very well for the most part, a couple of defensive errors. Um, but at no point did I think Leicester were actually going to come back into it. No, this was a great performance. And like, yes, you're going to have some of these mistakes as you iron some stuff out because I think the focus of the season at Arsenal is let's get some fluid attack happening. Let's play attacking football. Let's be on the front foot. Yes, we might leave some gaps, etc., etc. But like really, I would, again, these are the Arsenal Wenger good days. I would rather we win 4-2 than a shady 1-0, right? So I would, like last season, we were deprived of goals. There was just mm-hmm. no goals. And our defense wasn't good enough to just get a 1-0 win. So I will take this. I will take that. You know what? They might get a goal here, but we have three or four in us kind of thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, man. On the, uh, on the Arsenal being deprived of goals things. So all or nothing, episode six, I think. I've just seen the scene where they sit down with Lacazette 
and they show him clips of Benzema as if he's never seen <laughs> Benzema. And they're like, you see how he makes two movements? And, that, and I'm like, Benzema's scoring in the six-yard box against Alcorcoran or something. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, literally every... Like every youth manager, or sorry, every youth coach tells a striker, run to the front post, fake it, and run yeah. back into the spot. Like everybody knows it. This is not new. This is not something you said, like, is that any talent to do? Nor are you talking to Eddie fucking and Ketty. Like, you're talking to a 31 <laughs> year old striker. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, now compare that to the striker we have now. And my lord, like, the running, the energy, the anticipation. Um, the goals, team. like he's clearly enjoying not being that shackled under Pep. And I think that's why he made the move. It's not to win more trophies in City because that's not going to happen. But it's like, okay, I've done my thing. I've won all the trophies under the sun. Okay, sure, Champions League. But he can win that with us. Um, and <laughs> not this he, season, but yes. yeah. Yeah, not this season. And he's just like, you know what? He's enjoying it. He's taking on players. He's, like Bernie would say, remembering that he's Brazilian again. Um, that finish for that goal was that first goal was brilliant. The second goal is yeah. is so Jesus, like, and then he had the third one with a long ball from Ramsdale. He did so well. Turned Evans, Spawn he was Evans. so close to a beautiful hat trick. Um, you know what? Like, this is exactly what we needed, and this is what we've missed. And they've gone out, and you know, there's not a lot of strikers in the world, and not a lot that we can afford. This is literally the best case scenario for Arsenal. They pulled out the best case scenario. Yeah, he's had an absolutely sensational start. If he can, if he can keep this this kind of form up, you know, it's not going to be every game, but if he can keep this kind of form up, if he can get fifteen to twenty goals, that's exactly what Arsenal have paid for. And and you know, at that point, the fee won't look that much. It really won't. In the yeah, and, of things. and what it means, you know, Martinelli right now is loving the link up with Jesus. He already has two goals this season. Um, it also means that we're not over reliant on Saka. You know, Saka, okay, fine. We're overloading the left hand side this time, and Saka's getting a bit more time on the right. Uh, in the past, it was like just every time to Saka, and like you got to do, you know, the, the magic ball. It's not going to work. It's nice to be able to win these games when you have Tierney on the bench and Tomiasso on the bench, and you know, you have ESR on the bench. Like, no longer are you hoping for a starting eleven that stays fit the entire season because it never happens at Arsenal, and that's what always gets us right. Last season, literally derailed when Tierney and Party got injured. That was the only reason. I like we could have done with the Lacazette no goals for a couple more games. It would have been okay, but it was a Tierney and Party thing, and we just had no replacement. So this season, I think we've got the depth. I think that the the team seems to be like motivated to do well. Arteta's kind of you know Edu and Arteta together seem to be a good a good match and. Yeah, things will go bad and we'll have bad runs and we'll we'll arsenal it up sometimes. But at the end of the day you can see the trajectory, right? And that's all you can ask for. Yeah, I would agree. I would say I would say the one place there is not the depth is Thomas Party. Yeah. That that's the um, uh, yeah, point of failure there. Yeah. And I have trouble watching him right now. I have trouble kind of talking about oh well, we can't talk yeah. about it, I guess, but like all that aside, from a footballing perspective, there's no one else really to play that position. There's Sambi Lokonga, I guess, but not really. I think uh, they're trying him at like the... a massive drop off. Yeah. Uh, so that Sambi, be... I think is, I think it's clear that he's more suited for that, like a bit more forward, less defensive responsibility, kind of dribble and take the ball forward, like the number eight role. I think suiting him a lot more, from what it seems. So that leaves only El Neni, unless you bring Shaka back and kind of play him there again, which I don't think is a good idea because like no. Shaka's in the good books right now. Let's not ruin it. <laughs> uh, no, Arteta worked out that the best thing to yeah. do with Xhaka is keep him as far away from your own goal as possible. Yeah. And uh, he even got a goal himself. Oh yeah, he game. did. He did. And finally, I would just say Saliba. 
beast, like yeah. absolute mean, beast. Unfortunate own goal, but yeah, uh, but it doesn't even matter. Like, and that, that's another thing I was thinking. Like, we can score an own goal that's stupid, and it doesn't affect the game at all because we are confident that we can score another, and we're also like two up or three up or whatever it is. Like, it's a it, it's a different atmosphere when you trust your attack to make up for something like that than like here we go again kind of thing. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, from Leicester perspective, I thought Fofana was pretty good um, going forward, especially. Um, Jisborough Hall is useful. Uh, James Madison scored a good goal, but I just... Do you feel like they could be stripped for parts here? Like, I'm just not sure what the goal is this season, unless they suddenly go on a, a very quick spending spree and, and reinforce themselves very quickly. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be a boring kind of mid-table finish at best. Like, they're, they're an okay team. They, they didn't play horribly. Like, you know, they've got a good enough starting 11 to kind of cause teams yep. problems. But like you said, like, what is the end goal? Like, I don't think it's anything spectacular. It's, you know, a lot of, some teams go through a season where they're, okay, we're just going to live in this mid-table zone and do our thing. Because we're, you know, people go through spending cycles. If this is one of their low spending cycles, then they just have to, you know, ride it out. Yep, fair enough. Um, for the Gabby Jesus goal, I just wanted to add that one of the best near post flick-ons from Jamie Vardy I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Like you couldn't ask for a better near post flick-on. It, it was, was like he was part of the training ground routine. <laughs> it really was. Manchester City 4, Bournemouth 0. The result, you could have predicted that Haaland would not get on the score sheet uh, you'd probably not have predicted. Um, yeah. But it just shows you how many different ways City have to score. And Kevin De Bruyne uh, with the outside of the boot into the corner, it's just glorious, glorious. Yeah, I, I mean, on Haaland, he did get an assist, mm-hmm. and it was only one of his two touches in the entire game. Passes in the entire game, the which other one is was from kickoff. <laughs> probably, yeah. Right. Probably, probably. Did, yeah. So it's like it's a record under Pep of wow. the player to least you know give provide passes in a game and we were worried about that like you know how would he fit with City's style of play but again if the if the opposition team like a Bournemouth are just gonna pack the box then he's not gonna touch the ball and you'd hope that he just attracts enough players that the midfielders have the space right yeah and to be fair to to Holland he should have had a goal because uh Foden was through oh yeah in a bit of a replica of the like Kane Sterling World Cup moment The fact that Foden didn't square it was absolutely absurd. Like, absurd. Well, Foden wanted to remain the golden boy. The yes. young golden boy. No. He did get his goal, though, in the end. Uh, more more wonderful work from uh, Gundogan, yeah. who's started oh. the season on fire. He just he, He's one of those where it's just like, you don't always see it, but it's there. Like, sometimes he'll go a whole game, like, you just don't realize how good or how much he's done. But he's doing so much. He's just constantly doing so much. Yeah. Absolute beast. Rodri as well. Rodri's just unbelievable. Rodri has been unbelievable for what? The end of the last half of last season? Yeah, second half of Um, last season. Because the first half was dodgy, but the second half was brilliant. And he just comes to mind because Fabinho's having a very dodgy season. So he just kind of... It's always the Fabinho-Rodri discussion. And McTominay, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was pleased to see uh, Grealish didn't play. That's the correct decision. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and the introduction of a kid called Rico Lewis uh, on for Kyle Walker and the last, like we, we kind of talked about it. The like city squad isn't, I know it sounds ridiculous, but it's not that deep in certain positions. And so it would be cool to see some of the youngsters finally after, you know, what, how, how many years has this project been going on? They invested in the Academy and they bought all the best young players from everywhere. Yeah. 
it's like it would be nice to see some of them. So that's, yeah, no, that's yeah, a good point. A good also, sign. I would say standing out to me this game was Kyle Walker, and we talked about the center mid thing. But like, just for Pep to go to look at this guy, buy him from Tottenham, and go, okay, we get it. He's a great right back at the time athlete and he was fantastic and at his peak and all that he started to slow down a little bit and pep's like okay he's going to be perfect for me to play this lopsided way that i want to play where it's all down the left and the right back kind of just tucks in and i'm surprised you know kyle like i wouldn't all footballers are good fine Mm. but i wouldn't think kyle walker was the guy to come into center mid receive the ball you know with, with a defender behind him turn make a pass you know, no. create more space. Like I did not think he was that guy. And that's like, that's coaching, right? You don't just buy players all the time. And, and you know, you just like, I know they bought Walker, but still like there's so much coaching to go into making him who you want him to be. If that person is not just available, Cancelo, we saw how, how horrid of a time he had at whatever you and whatever, you mm-hmm. know, so Pep is, I get it. He buys players, but he also improves them dramatically, like tactically at least. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I mean, to me, Walker is the best. And and like Rooney, maybe, although maybe that's harsh. Walker is the best example I can think of that there are many different types of intelligence. Like mm. if you've heard an interview with Kyle Walker, like you'd have more fun talking to a wrench. But, but clearly he's able to take on huge amounts of, of pretty intricate information and action them every week on a football field. Like it's just, there are very different types of types of being yeah. smart no, I'm, imp- I'm impressed with kind of the trajectory of his career it was it's very impressive yeah, yeah. like he used to run the ball out of play yeah on yeah, a, yeah, yeah. On a weekly basis yeah <laughs> i remember we talked about this yeah. we, he yeah. just kick it and then he'd jog back yeah <laughs> yeah like what's next yeah <laughs> um so city uh obviously four points clear of liverpool so a title over well i mean you've got arsenal there style contenders so right. the first Liverpool have to surpass or? Arsenal first <laughs> and then City. I, I mean, title over, I don't know. But like title over based on form, not just the four points. Like they mm. need to pick it up. And not just form, again, everything. I mean, everything we said at the Liverpool section of depth and injuries and this and style of play. And now Nunez is out for three games and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot, I think a couple more games and it might it might start to be clear if this is just City running away with it or not. Fair enough. Um, sorry, I've just realized I had written down a stat that might actually be encouraging for United fans, given all the like okay. the depressing stuff. Um, this is actually their seventh away loss in a row, which means that the Brentford game is not abnormal. Like that's just oh yeah, status quo. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So why are we why why are we all you know freaking out? Right. <laughs> Nothing to worry about. Um, Brighton nil, Newcastle nil. Um, don't know. Uh, you got Nick Pope was very good. Another clean sheet. Newcastle yeah. two clean sheets to start the to start the season. That's not bad. I'll take it. No, it's not bad. It, it's almost like they're deliberately not being good yet. Like for, on the pitch, off the pitch, with the signings and so everything about Newcastle is like take it easy. It's yeah. Mm-hmm. But but so far the signings are working. Like so far it's working. I think um, what's his name? Um, Manager. Yeah, Eddie Howe. I, I think he's doing a good job in the take it easy department. Like he seems to be a good decision and a good choice in the sense of like let's take the step by step kind of decision. Um, last season he did wonders, I think, towards the end of the season, and I think they're just continuing from now. And they have, you know, they have depth. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying they're all world class, but they have enough depth. You know, they make quite a bit of substitutions that can come on, like people that can, you know, it's it's encouraging. I think. Yeah. 
I mean, ML Craft. It's Makio. It's Super Sub. Um, <laughs> and obviously, John Joe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, always around. Um, Fulham nil Wolves now. Now, this is the battle of the potential, well, no, definitely Portuguese potential fraudulent managers. You've got Marco Silva, who was previously fraudulent, although seems to be doing quite a good job with Fulham. And then you've got Bruno Large, who started really well, but this is no wins in nine for Wolves, I believe. Uh, they can barely score a goal. They haven't signed a striker. They got uh, Guedes, because he's Portuguese. And it looks like they might be signing Matias Nunez because he's Portuguese. Um, but I'm not convinced by this guy, I have to say. Well, remember we talked about Wolves and I always say they're the team that I kind of have no idea mm. what's going on. I don't know. They just yeah. seem to slip under the radar slash maybe they're just bland. I don't know what it is. It's just like, you know, I, I, I feel like I could pick up any team and talk about it, but Wolves are those like black hole where I'm like, <laughs> I don't know slash I don't care. It's weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. I, I feel like a few times a season, they get themselves really up for like a big game against a top six opposition. And it gives everyone the idea that they're quite a good team. Right. And over the over the course of 38 games, they're just not. But I, I don't know. We'll see. They've got Spurs next, I think. So this is be an opportunity for that. You know, it's probably on TV. They can get wound up. Um, Pedro Neto can try and do something. Anyway, that's that's them. Um, Southampton 2 leads to uh, Leeds flew into the lead and then Southampton came back with um, Arebo got one and Kyle Walker-Peters <laughs> sure but I was going to I was going to mention your Arebo comment a couple of weeks ago about oh wow what a great goal he scored in preseason and you're like listen I don't know about mm. goal. he like kind of bumbled it in fumbled it in this, they did it again I mean how did that ball go through Melier's legs like when, when he kind of chopped it on his left it makes no sense like he was it almost went through his shin I, I kept like watching I'm like you are so incredibly lucky maybe he's a ghost he's white <laughs> enough he is yeah. um, no it was like he had a very good chance and he took way too long and bumbled around and it still went in so yeah yeah but, but again Leeds went 2-0 up and they, they should have held on like there was no mm. again like it's it seems like such a Leeds thing but I, you know that's I thought that would have been under a Bielsa kind of thing I'm most disappointed that they kind of let these two goals in and kind of Southampton back in the game because they, they should have won that one yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, I th- I don't I didn't see the game. Not sure why Bamford went off, but he went off early enough that I assume Groin. it's an injury, which mm-hmm. is yeah uh, potentially quite a big problem um, because the backup striker was Daniel James. I mean, Rodrigo's there. He's sort of a striker, sort of not. He started the season brilliantly in terms of goals. Mm-hmm. I think that's his third goal in two games. Um, but yeah, if Bamford's out for a long time, as we saw last season, that's a, that's a problem. Yep. Um, Steve Gerard Gerard won a game. Yeah, in the battle of uh, Gerard Lampard, can the Premier League have both of them at the same time? One I starts, mean, before I'll be honest with you, before getting rid of either Lampard or Gerard, I'll get rid of Scholes and Punditry. Oh, first, I mean that he still has a job is a joke. It doesn't make any sense. He, I mean, there are some pundits who like don't do their research. And there's some pundits who do. And then there's like 20 miles of garbage. And there's Paul Scholes who just shows up and is miserable. He gets paid for it. So, again, I just thought of this on the spot. But like, it feels like all the United pundits, Gary Neville, Paul Scholes, 
uh, Rio Ferdinand, it seems that they really embody Manchester United in the same way that they just repeat the same stuff over and over that like is just not true for a decade now like you know what i mean like it's the same as the way united see themselves as a club they just say like this is unacceptable we need to be playing better the players need to be running mate like what are you saying like just tell us something useful slash like provide some sort of analysis that can help this team as opposed to like this is unacceptable and they just like bang their hand on the table not good Uh, enough yeah exactly like it's just so old Yep. They know they have nothing to say. So, but as long as pay, people keep paying them to, to not say it, you know, they'll keep rocking up and doing it. But yeah, I thought Villa Everton was, it was actually a decent game. Villa, uh, well, let's start with the bad news. Um, Diego Carlos ruptures his Achilles tendon. He's pretty much out for the season, which I assume with free spending Villa means they'll go out and buy another center back because that leaves you with Mings and concert and didn't, hasn't like by all reports, it seems like Gerard's sort of fallen out with Mings lately. Well, yeah, there's, uh, I mean, now he has to kind of, I guess, figure stuff out. Because, I don't know, it may, I mean, if he doesn't play Mings now, then it's just, like, ridiculous. Yeah. Because, I mean, you're bad, but you're not, like, fourth choice bad. <laughs> At Villa kind of yeah. thing, right? Um, yeah. Also, Mings got into, like, a, a little bit of a spat with one of the talk sports guys. Oh, like, did he? Uh, yeah, famous guy, actually. Who is it? Talk sports. can remember. But he said something about, like, he just, the talk sports guy just, like, went all in on Mings. So he just responded like quite politely saying like, this is bullshit. Right. And then the guy like doubled down on, I think it was Sunes. Yeah. Well, it sounds, sounds about yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I don't know. I don't know what, like, I mean, it's good. Yeah. Uh, Villa are another one. Like, what are they going to do this season? Kind of thing. They've got all the components to, to play attractive football and to be a team to watch, but it doesn't seem to be the start that they want. I think if they have the best season they could possibly have, they'd finish yeah, not even Europa, Europa Conference. And then that would screw them over for the next season. And then they'd be back to 10th. So, yeah, I don't know. Try to finish 9th. I guess. It's I mean, bothering, isn't it? Yeah, it, it doesn't like, it doesn't matter. Like, like Bernie would say, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, it just, just kind of hover again <laughs> in the mid-table. Nothing's going to happen kind of thing. But you never know. I mean, the, we talked about how this, this Premier League looks... And we say this every season, but it's true. It's always towards the same trajectory of wilder and wilder and unpre- more and more unpredictable. Yeah. Um, and I think this one is shaping up. I mean, when you look at the bottom half of the table, I know it's only two games, but still two games. You know, you've got West Ham, you've got Everton, you've got Manchester United. You're, you know, up until I think 13th, you have no uh, promoted team. Like yeah. Fulham are in 13. Like, and I get it. It's only two games. But again, Fulham played Liverpool, etc. Like, it's going to be an exciting season. Yeah. It's true. Um, Everton, I didn't think they were as bad as as they could have been, uh, especially because they still don't have any strikers. Like they really need to buy one. When Rondon comes on, it just emphasizes the point even more. I think. Um, like Gordon runs around a lot and he presses and he's doing what he whatever he can do. He's leaving, which isn't he? Which is a lot. Oh, Chelsea seem to be bidding 40, 50 million for him to do what? I'm not sure. Yeah, to do what? Like, to, like, what is he going to do that Mount doesn't do, or Gallagher doesn't do, or like, what more does he do? Of what they do, I guess. Yeah, I don't get it. He could also probably play like backup right wing back. Like, if you had him at right wing back and James on the right side of the three, that's an option. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't really get it. Like, I, I like him. I think he's good, but I don't really get why Chelsea would spend fifty million on him. Um, 
But uh, what I wanted to touch on for Everton was the uh, debut of Amadou Onana, who came on, promptly gave the ball away, uh, which allowed Villa's winning goal, and then set up Everton's consolation goal. It was like feast and famine, just a horrendous piece of play and then a really pretty brilliant piece of play. But it was a net zero, so... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, but he got two highlights out of it. So. Exactly. We're talking about him. That's <laughs> all that matters. Uh, yeah, that's that's all the things. Um, anything else? Oh, uh, everything are playing... Everything are playing Nottingham Forest next week. Do I start Nico Williams in my fantasy? Yeah, no striker. Yeah, I'm so tempted. I'm actually so tempted. It's a good point. I have Nico Williams. I assume most people have Nico Williams. Well, yeah, they have him to not play him, but like yeah. this might be the week because I mean he got like seven points last week against West Ham. This might be the week where like I don't know. It's just these things never happen the way you plan them. But like on paper, everything should not score. No. Well, I mean, the goal was an own goal. Yeah. In this one. So, yeah. Um, anyway, leave that to you. you. You let us know. Start Nico Williams or not at under underscore the cost. Um, and if you're having a bad week, just remember that uh, Barcelona drew nil-nil with Rayo Vallecano. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Rafinha, Lewandowski, Dembele. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. At least you registered your players. Well, uh, who's on fire? Morata's on fire? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of it. goals for Atleti, uh, Di Maria for Juve. Great debut. Uh, Mbappe and Neymar clashing already two games in. Ooh, beef. Yeah. And There's a lot happening in Europe. France, not cooked at all. Yeah, yeah. Beef. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot happening in uh, there's a lot happening in uh, around Europe but yeah maybe we'll maybe we'll give it some time next week it's just the Premier League started hot yes um, and maybe maybe United will like get a draw against Liverpool and we don't have to always have the podcast talking about how bad they are yeah if they could stop being so sensationally shit we yeah. can <laughs> talk about some other stuff yeah we can get some like Bayern Munich in there or something <laughs> <laughs> oh man good stuff alright man we'll talk again next week take care Thank you.